Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I am paging Dr. Sean. I am the, the doctor. And I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. Yeah. Welcome to the Paging Dr. Sean, the podcast, all things related to the black culture. The doctor in front of your name. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You are now tuned in to the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, where we talk about all things related to mental health, Black people, and the culture. I am your host, Dr. Shonda, licensed clinical psychologist, and it is Black History Month, y'all. Listen, y'all know at the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, we talk about Black History 365, okay? We don't need a month, but today we blackity black, like we extra black this month. Uh, So I have none other then Mr. Krim with me today, and I'm so excited to have you, Mr. Krim. Hey, Dr. Shonda, it's a pleasure and honor to be here. I can't wait to have this conversation, especially with your expertise. I'm, I'm excited, too. Listen, I think you're probably like one of the first pages that I followed on TikTok since joining. I'm a newbie to TikTok. Like, yeah. I, I'm just now getting there. People finally convinced me to get on. But yeah. uh, your page is legit. I, so it Thank was definitely you. an honor to have you uh, accept the invitation. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, the same with me. I mean, I, you know, we'll get into that conversation, but I was not someone who was excited about joining TikTok, but um, that's what, that's where our people are. So I'm where we at, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm just going to briefly read your bio real quick, just so the people, um, just in case if they were living under a rock and they don't know who you are, <laughs> they can kind of get an idea of some of the things you've accomplished. Uh, so Mr. Ernest Krim III is a self-proclaimed Black history advocate who is a native of the South Side of Chicago, period. I love Chicago and a product of the late 80s. He is a University of Illinois Urbana champion. Champagne. Yeah, champagne. champagne. Yeah, okay. I know it's a weird name for a city, but yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, alum who conducts or advocates for Black history, equity, and justice as a speaker, cultural consultant, sociopolitical commentator, and cast member on the PBS documentary, Divided We Fall. You know you legit when you've been on PBS. Uh, author of the Amazon bestseller, Black History Saved My Life, and former city council candidate and high school social science instructor. As a consultant and speaker, he uses his experience with fighting a hate crime that went viral to teach the importance role, the important role of Black history and how it plays a role in becoming culturally compliant, equitable in the workplace, school, and in broader community. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, Mr. Ernest Krim. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so your your bio is legit. Um, like yeah. I said, I love everything that you're doing. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about some of the things that have shaped your life experiences. Like, what has that been like for you? Yeah, so I included that part about the South Side of Chicago because that that shaped everything. Growing up in the city and um, not really understanding the way things were set up that had a profound impact on me because I had early exposure to other cultures, you know, and um, I, I know a lot of people like to politicize Chicago now because of like and the violence that exists in our city um, is a product of these systems in place. And that's not something I knew when I was younger, but also too, a lot of people would probably be shocked to know that the violence that came as a result of the war on drugs and the crack epidemic was statistically a lot worse back then. 
but because we didn't always you know have a timeline full of these full of this news we didn't know we was just living our life you know so i grew up on the south side uh, born in the late 80s and the 90s i was bused to a white school for elementary and um having white friends early on and being able to see their neighborhoods what they lived like and then coming back to my neighborhood and seeing what our neighborhood looked like it, it made me ask questions and i would say that you know i'm a product of parents who um answer those questions or steer me in the right direction and something that i'm finding a lot in our households and i'm sure you can relate to this too that those in our community who we deem to be successful regardless if that means monetarily or based on the impact on the community most often it's because they had a parent or mentor somebody a family member that that answered those questions and, and they they molded that curiosity so i was always asking why so if my mom or dad couldn't answer they would send me downstairs and we had these um encyclopedias from the world book you know before before dial up and all that stuff and these books was old though they was from the 60s i don't know where they, where they got them from might have been like a garage sale or something but it still had like some good information in it you know and i, and I think that too two things besides that really shaped me my house looked like a black history museum and for those who can see this video you see my office right now like that's a micro the doctor in front of your name the doctor in front of your name of what my house was like growing up wow. my, my mom had like african like art everywhere um we got we got black jesus in the crib so i, I could never understand why somebody had the blind hair blue eye guy whoever that was whoever right right <laughs> and then when you would walk downstairs we had these posters which ironically were sponsored by budweiser of all uh, companies and it was called great kings and queens of africa if you google them you'll find like some stuff probably on etsy or ebay and they had like these realistic pictures and portraits of african royalty from ancient egypt all the way from the, to the 1800s we're talking about like hat ship suit we're talking about um you know king tut of course you're talking all the way to mansa musa uh queen zinga all these people and i didn't like know what that was outside of that was just black brilliance when i get older like that type of stuff gets downloaded into your psyche and, and you and, and from that i equate blackness with greatness even when i was around white folks for eight years in school and then besides that i asked my mom one time um when i was nine years old why we never had a black president because i didn't grow up with obama you know obama happened my senior year in college so and my mom told me because um they're expect like because they're waiting on you to grow up to fulfill that role so like my mom like molded that inside of me like and, and, and it's not that i want to even be that that role anymore i don't want to be president but when somebody tells you that at night that you can do that that makes you believe you can do anything you put your mind to literally so mm -hmm. like that foundation right there put me off to a great start to me because anything i faced from that point forward um i faced it proactively and i had a relentless spirit from it you said a mouthful like it's, it's so many things that we can we can dig into based on what you said um but I, I love how you you pointed out like you equate blackness with greatness um and that's not by coincidence that's because mm -hmm. your parents were intentional about instilling that in you everybody loves mcdonald's fries so yes you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home um but the bag did feel a little light Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. and educating you on what blackness means because if we leave it up to society to educate our children on what blackness means then we're going to be indoctrinated with the idea of us being barbaric and criminalized and you know being unhinged people 
Yeah. Right. And so I love the fact that your parents were intentional about that, yeah. that racial socialization piece. Yeah. And I, I don't even know. And I, I tell them all the time how big of an impact they had on me. I talk about it in my book, too. But I don't I don't know if they realized what they were giving birth to, you know, wow. but I know talking to them now, they're they're more than excited and happy about it. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And I, I think this really kind of proves to us, like especially black people in general, um, parents, mentors, you know, even if you, if you don't have children, like we have to be intentional about educating mm -hmm. the next generation. Oh, yeah. Like every image, every right. like I don't think like it's when they young, especially everything your kids see, they're ingesting, digesting, yep. and it's coming out some way. So we have to be intentional about that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I remember talking about your experience. I remember growing up, like our parents used to take us to the African, um, the African American festivals that we had in Delaware, and mm -hmm. we would wear our like dashikis together, like as a family. Like that was just so meaningful to us, and it really helped to instill that sense of cultural pride, uh, which is so important when instilling self esteem in individuals who are uh, have have a history of being marginalized. Yep. So I yep. love that. 100%, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I do want to kind of talk more about like your, your life experiences and even mm. as you discuss your upbringing, I know there was a, a very traumatic situation that happened to you mm -hmm. that actually went viral. Um, and you ended yeah. up writing a book about it uh, called Black History Saved My Life, How My Viral Hate Crime Led to an Awakening. Um, so can we dig a little bit into that? Yeah. So um, for everybody that knows me as a content creator, that uh, hate crime video was my first piece of content. Wow. And it wasn't playing that way. I, I'll tell you this, like when that happened on July 30th, 2016, I had no intention to ever create content. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, my, my intention was to teach. You know, I was a teacher at the time. I was still as pro-black as I am now, but it was pretty much reserved for the classroom setting. I had a mentoring program. I would go to protests and stuff, but I wasn't the person like I'm not about to be up there speaking. That just wasn't my mindset, you know. Um, and what happened was really what always happens in our history over the course of the last 500, 600 years, like we just be minding our business. And then somebody white come bothering us, you know? And that's what, literally what happened. And, and, and my, me and my wife, we were at an event on the South side of Chicago and there are not that many white spaces on the South side. So we were the majority in this in this situation. The white lady, she was there with one white friend and two black folks. So when, and when if folks see this video, um, and it's literally the first video on my YouTube page, you will be shocked to see that not only was she there with two black folks, but like they were creating like a barrier of protection. And how often do we see that symbolically with, you know, some of us in our community will, will oftentimes protect whiteness as opposed to ourselves. Yes. So essentially we went to this event. It was like the end of the summer. My wife's a teacher too. And we just wanted to have some fun without the kids. And, um, we, we were there for about three or four hours. It was like an outdoor party, South Shore cultural center right off the lake. And as we were getting ready to leave, I noticed there was an open beanbag game called Cornhole. And I don't often play that game. And because when you had a cookout, usually if it's a game like that, there's always occupied. So I'm like, oh, let's play it. It's open. Um, little did I know there was only one beanbag available. The group next to us where this lady was, they had like a whole bunch of them. So mm -hmm. we're, we're assuming they're going to provide them. They didn't. But one of them in a the group uh, threw one really far and nobody grabbed it. So my wife said after a few minutes, she goes over there and grabs it. And as soon as she grabs it, the white lady you see in the video, she was just like pissed off. Like she she could like couldn't fathom a black person grab something that didn't that she didn't even own. It wasn't even hers. It was public property. <laughs> but she just started flipping yeah. out, going off, screaming at us. And first thing she did was call my wife a hoe. And this was like mm -hmm. after 
we weren't giving her the you know the, the bag because I'm like you screaming at me you ain't getting this bag so you might as well come correct um she calls her a hoe and then at that point we, we're kind of we're screaming at each other and she calls us the n-word and I'm and I'm and at that point the black folks they already there and I'm just like that then I started talking to them I'm just kind of like hold on are y'all just gonna let this happen like y'all ain't gonna say nothing that's how but, you feel right <laughs> did they say anything hey they said something to us no the black guy which which really blew me he never said a word he was just standing there like this the whole time the whole time and i couldn't i just as a black like i and i I posted videos about some of the stuff i do in public like i cannot stand to see a black person in distress i just can't i just like i have to say something help right. whatever so it was beyond me that he didn't do anything or she didn't um so i'm like recording because she's calling us the n-word i'm like okay well bet we about to get some type of social justice in this situation i'm about to make sure everybody knows who you are so at this point she's calling us the n-word and i say can you just like yo say keep saying it and give us all your information because you bold right say your name give me your address all that <laughs> and she just like came she just starts blurting it out screaming it 30 more times and, and then, this is the lady that was with the black people with the black folks and and, okay. and, 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 the, and the black lady was like oh it doesn't bother us it doesn't yeah bother us. Like, what, okay what are you talking? Right, like, so and then so it's like they're between us and the white ladies behind and then she takes a step away turns back and spits on us and and that and that was yes i see you see how you just felt because I, I i know the reaction and i'm not sure if you saw it but for anybody who who has seen it or wants to see that you just have to always keep in mind too with that you're seeing it in first person because i'm recording yeah. you don't even see my face but also too like it's unfortunately very relatable for us because even if you never experienced that you see yourself you hear me exactly. screaming loudly mm -hmm. for them to do something not for her but for them and she was calling the cops at the, simultaneously while she's screaming at us she wanted the cops to come over so there's a whole bunch of dynamics going on um but not but not to spoil the story for anybody but long story short you know we we left she got kicked out she didn't get arrested and me and my wife was sat in the car and we said okay we got to post this get this information because that's a crime and i ain't going basically like you know and and the rest i guess is history because after that i fought the case um i started posting vlogs because my facebook page was taken down and then like i started speaking prop honestly seven years ago this month i had my first uh speaking engagement i had a friend from college ask me to speak to a middle school and then from there i just kept going to share my story yeah wow wow well first of all i'm i'm sorry that that happened to you um i'm very happy that you're using that moment um to educate like our people and to kind of mm -hmm. like talk about some of these things but that's not okay like that right. like spitting yeah. on somebody is the lowest thing that you can do to somebody yep. And yep. the simple fact that she was so comfortable with yeah. saying the N-word amongst her black friends, yeah. like that, that is beyond me. Disturbing. Um, and it's, it's, to me, it was literally a case of, at this point, it's like, imagine being racist and you find one of the, one of the most pro-black people ever <laughs> in, in that time. You know what I'm saying? Like right. somebody who is not just pro-black was going to speak out about like you, mm -hmm. that's horrible luck on her end because here I am seven years later and like I don't speak about it every day, but when I have a speaking engagement, people talk about it. We we watch that. So like, yo, she that that's gonna live forever. Unfortunately forever. for her, but hey, that's what you did. So <laughs> I wonder. So like, while you were experiencing that, um, what what happened with you? Like emotionally, how did it impact you 
mentally, like so many things can come from a situation like that? Um, I would say, so I grew up as like, again, my neighborhood, you had to fight a lot. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it, but it, it was always love though. Like we fought, you know, then we'd be cool. We later, a couple of days later, um, win some, you lose some. By the time I became a teenager, kind of got that out of my system. I didn't, I, you know, not confrontational, but somebody who like knows that I don't want to go to that place because you know how it is, especially when you're real kind to people, mm -hmm. it's because you know, <laughs> it's like, I don't want to go there. Right. So when that situation happened, I, I had never, I had never been that like stressed, trauma, like everything at once from like, I can't even recall. And something people will ask me if, I, if I've ever been called the N-word before. And it happened mm -hmm. in college, but it was somebody in the car and they were driving past. So it was like, I've never been face to face with right. the, the potential, the, the ability to react, you know? So I, I, I felt like it was a, I don't want to say a bad joke, but I have seen these on world star YouTube, mm -hmm. Facebook. It was like a thing where like, I can't believe this is really happening. I mind my business. Yeah. You know, like I know I have a persona on social media, but like if anybody see me in public, I'm minding my business. I don't bother nobody. So I, it was a lot of disbelief. And I think because of how hard I was going in terms of us and how much I love us, I was not like I, I can never be disappointed in a white person for being racist. Like the, the society's supposed to produce yeah. that. Like for right. you, when you go against that, I'm proud of you. Shout out to you for doing that. You're supposed exactly. to be races here that's what that's right. how america, it's embedded it's embedded in american right. culture racism, exactly. yeah <laughs> whether you be whether you become like blatantly or whether you just got these biases that you're willing to look up whatever like you're supposed to be that way they want you to mm -hmm. so like i was more disappointed again in the the black folks there and um i think in that moment that's when i realized that like no i don't want to say i didn't realize it before but it's like i cannot always expect people to have the same level of of stewardship or the same yeah. level of care that i have just because they look like me mm -hmm. um and and i think too like wanting to you know be there for my wife but also understanding too what's the best thing to do in this situation and my book is really just a big prequel so it talks about like knowing everything about my consciousness beforehand and all the racist experiences i had and how black history helped me make sense of it right. you have to be aware like at the drop of a dime that she's calling the cops over she's calling us the n-word two weeks before alton sterling happened three weeks before philando castillo happened um mm -hmm. a year ago sandra bland happened so i'm like the last thing i want to do is be in a situation where an officer controls my destiny and i'm looked at as the instant or the the initiator when in fact she started this whole thing so it was it was it was whenever i dealt with something like that in my life and i mean more so like with police or whatever it was always a case of you're not gonna get, just get away with this like it, and I, I get that from my mom and her dad a lot so i just knew point forward i wasn't gonna shut up about it i could Period. tell <laughs> like and, and honestly we we need those moments because unfortunately we do see the the hate crimes where our loved ones the people who we look like on tv are gunned down are killed are you know incarcerated for reasons of, of racism right um but hearing like your story and how you were able to 
um, overcome that and utilize that to to help elevate like this platform related to Black history. I think that is so that that's profound right there. So so tell me how like specifically like Black history. Um, how did that help you in that specific situation in terms of like making sense of everything that was going on? I would equate it to, and this would be the first time I use this analogy. So I would say like if you take martial arts, um, they they tell you like we're teaching you this so you don't have to use it, you know? Okay. So it's one of those things where like, they teach you how to do all these, these like really moves, you could kill somebody, mm -hmm. but, it, but it's self-defense. And, and most of the people who know martial arts are really unassuming. Like I've had kids with fifth degree black belts, it's tiniest kids in the class, but could just kill everybody they wanted to with a simple move. So it's one of those things where like, I had studied black history so much up until that point where I felt like my, you you like you calling me the n-word doesn't like it it was more so like not hurt feelings but like you you really disrespectful it was a disrespect thing i couldn't believe you right. did this, like this to me like for real um but again it's like you calling me the n-word but who needs an alarm in the morning when mcdonald's has sausage egg and cheese mcgriddles and a breakfast cut off ba-da-ba-ba-ba like i know the whole foundation for european culture is africa like i know that america will not be what it was without black americans mm -hmm. like I, I i know that you know europe would still be probably in the dark ages if it wasn't for the, the moors the african moors who came there so it's like when you say that it says more about you than me you know what i'm saying and and, and it wasn't something that i realized in that moment that's why i say black history saved my life because it was something i realized when i was busted at white school when I asked my mom that question, when I went to an all-black high school, again, noticing the differences, when I got pulled over in high school um, several times, and and I, black history always served as that defense to fight it. To my kids. There might be some days we I might slip, forget, whatever. I, my kids test scores are showing it and i'm not a, i'm not like a big believer in the way the school system whatever but I, I but i still know that there's merit in going through the school process my kids and they they're, they're like the percentiles they own off the charts and reading and math and and I, I i think that's a direct like correlation to reading to them daily so if you can't even buy if you you, you just like they ain't got the money i feel you go to the library took my kids to the library recently you know like get a book that's up free just don't like return it in two weeks <laughs> but read read like you can this stuff like it's simple read to your kids daily you don't have to know everything but let them know that you're willing to help them i saw this story this little boy from new york nine-year-old black boy the poet laureate of the state he's he's with the governor reading poems to open up her sessions and stuff like that yeah. he's raised by his grandmother she said that in in 2020 when the george floyd stuff was happening he had a bunch of questions she don't know it. She ain't a black history teacher. What did she say? Write about how you feel. Let's look up some stuff. That's all you got to do is be able to sit still and listen to your kids and, and don't say, I don't know. Don't say, and I'm sorry, you can say, I don't know. Say, I don't know, but let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. Don't push them off. Don't tell them they to mind their business. If they ask it, then they're ready for the conversation. So like this, this stuff is free. You, you go to the library, um, ask your kids questions and what i'm working on now and I, and I can't give you a release but i but i but i'm I'm working on something that is going to give our families a dang near it's going to be called black history year is probably what i'm gonna call it like it's it, it. you're gonna have somebody to celebrate with your family every single week 
because I don't I don't think a day I think that's too quick. Like digest Dr. King for a whole week. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Digest Ida B. Wills for a whole week. You know, talk talk about these people. Um, those first five, 10 years, that, that makes a difference. And after that, you are, you would already have nourished that. Mm -hmm. And I also have an online black history course for K through five kids where we do this. But my best tip is to reach your kids every day, um, do some research with them, take them to the library, uh, put up some posters in the house that look like them. Um, when they watching some on TV, you know what I'm saying? Find representation as much as possible and let them know that if they see something that does not have representation, that that's not right. Because, like, not only are we 14, and we way, I think we're more than that of the population because we don't all fill out the census. <laughs> but, right. like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but like, it, it's no way you should not be represented in everything you see. Mm -hmm. if, you ain't, if you ain't that created. Period. If you're not that created. Um, so, parents, y'all heard it here first. So, there are lots of books. There are lots of resources out here that you can utilize in order to instill the greatness of what it means to be Black and to provide that racial socialization that um, our kids and our families need. So, uh, Mr. Krim, we definitely appreciated your presence today. Oh, thank you for having me. You know, we could have did like three hours of this. Right, like, <laughs> I'm listen. glad you tapped it though, because like I, I'll just keep going. <laughs> no, for real. That that just means you got to come back, because like yes, this yes. this conversation can go in so many different directions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Word. So I appreciate you for coming today. Um, where can the people find you? Yeah, I would say start with Instagram. Um, you know, TikTok blew me up a little bit, but like Instagram, I, I, I like the cohesion of Instagram. So go to Instagram at mrcrim3. Um, all my resources are there in my bio, the link tree. You go to earnestcram.com. But like once you go on the Instagram, you'll be able to find or even TikTok at Mr. Cram3, you'll find a bunch of videos. So even when you're talking about what to teach your kids, you'll find information there for free that you can relate to them or have them watch. Amazing. I'm very proud of everything that you're doing. Please continue the work. Uh, so many people out there need you. Uh, everybody out there listening, make sure you guys tune in all month long as we talk about Black history and Black people. And don't forget, you have the power to create the emotions that y'all want to experience. God bless. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba.